Expanding our knowledge through those among us is a privilege we take for granted. Join me as we explore the minds of our fellow beings to unlock their knowledge for ourselves. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the final entry of the Arthadian Anthologies podcast first season, where I, Matthew Arthur, have explained to you a small glimpse of the ever-expanding universe I've developed and the deeper meaning behind it all. Today I am joined with some previous guests, the first one being Jaron Marsilio, who I had on for Entry 5, where we discussed the problems facing the entertainment industry. Jaron is back to chime in on this podcast and storytelling as a whole. The other guest who will be joining in on this conversation is Ryan, my dungeon master and good friend from Entry 15, where I had contracted COVID, forcing us to record our convo over Discord. Wasn't the best recording, but it was, as he put it, a quality discussion. As we send off the first season of Orthadian Anthologies, my hope is that this will pave the way for aspiring creators to come together and expand this universe through the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Now, let's dive in. Welcome, my friends, to the final entry of the Arthadian Anthologies podcast. I'm happy to be here with Jaron and Ryan, where we will be discussing storytelling as a whole, the podcast from where it's at currently and where it will be headed, and some crazy rants that may fall into place. You're just trying to make an excuse for my monologuing. Yeah. He's trying to facilitate your monologuing, and he's trying to make sure that like we can get together and actually speak, you know, as opposed to like sitting around in our houses all day waiting for COVID to stop. Establishing a dialogue, a productive, quality content. Yeah, I mean that's what we need in today's world. A polite conversation. Oof. Nah, let's start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for some introductions. We have Jaron and we have Ryan here. Um, Ryan didn't really get to introduce himself very much during the um during his podcast episode which was the 15th entry uh so ryan we'll have you start with introducing yourself yes here in person in front of a microphone uh my name is ryan katz uh i am working towards an associate's degree in chemistry um i've known matt we met each other uh in a philosophy class philosophy yes at our community college and we sort of bonded over both the ideas of the class as well as a love for tabletop games. Yes. Um, and some good times. We, we even got our philosophy professor to play some D&D, though... That didn't turn out so well. His character was... Uh, <laughs> yeah. He had a very different philosophy on tabletop games yes. than ours. Yeah. But that didn't stop us from, me from having a blast in Matt's game yeah. when I first enjoyed it, or when I first took part in it. And, that was that was a good time, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll probably be diving a lot into that today. Um, but for our second guest, we have Jaron Marsilio, who was my first guest on the podcast on the f- the fifth entry. Um, say hi, Jaron. Go ahead. I am back. I have returned for the season finale. Yes. And I am ready to get started. So for those who didn't listen to my episode, shame on you. And second, most importantly. So I am one of Matt's investors for his for this endeavor, and I'm very excited to see where this goes. So my connection to Matt's stuff is that, well, 
I want to make storytelling great again. (laughs) (laughs) And well, like, Matt, here's the thing. You actually care about the stories that you write. And then I can always see it every time we play these games together. And... My in, in my guest episode, I talked about the state of the entertainment industry. And what I've been mostly getting at is that we have allowed politics to ruin storytelling. Yeah. And even though that is the field I wish to be in, I'm a political science major who's actually one semester away now from getting his bachelor's degree in political science. Ooh, yeah. As well <laughs> as a minor in philosophy. I thought it was a nice little compliment to it. Yes. We, we just talked about philosophy. Yeah. Huh? So... Mm-hmm. Exactly. We all nice might tie-in. go into some kind of philosophical conversation about how storytelling is like. Uh, what, would you, what, what, what makes it, what makes the great elements of storytelling? <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. philosophical yeah. discussion. Yes, we could do something like that. Um, but yeah, with 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 that being said, um, mm-hmm. welcome to our Thagan anthologies finale. Yes. Uh, so the beginning, what we're going to start with is storytelling. How how we see story storytelling, how we view it. Um, so. I'll, I'll start, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, obviously most of, most of the, my audience might know how I see storytelling. In a sense, um, I like to immerse myself deeply into it. I feel like a story that is ex- where you can immerse yourself into it is something good, where you, where you, where you feel it's relatable, where it is... Um, you can easily inject yourself into the character that you're playing. Yes, and feel comfortable in it. Any any kind of character. If, if you're reading a story, like the, the reason why I write a first person point of view most of the time is because I, I I try to envision myself into into that character and envision the surroundings around me instead of trying to write every from every single perspective. I just write from one perspective and try to give the a narrow view of the over. The, the giant world that I'm building surrounding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're focusing mostly on fictitious storytelling, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's where we have the most fun, isn't it? That's well, the point. It's fiction. Yeah. You can be as creative as you want. Yeah. That's that's the realm where creativi- creativity really flourishes, yeah. right? It's where you can imagine something that you'd never experience otherwise with friends that you're playing along with. Yeah, exactly. So, Jaren, how do you see storytelling in a sense? Storytelling, well, very broad and vague question. Yeah, yeah, that, that's but, the point, man. You gotta, you gotta just go into well, it. Okay, well, everyone has, like, their own <laughs> things they like when it comes to storytelling, but one of, okay, so some traits of a story that I really enjoy that allows me to find it more compelling. So, well, okay, so my thing, okay, when it comes to storytelling, and this is why it's so difficult, is you never really know what you're going to be blown away by until you see it or until you read it. But, you know, this genres that I'm more attracted to, you know, I, I like comedies. I like, uh, I can, I like dramas too. I'm not always too huge on, like, you know, the Avengers or superhero movies. Because I tend to find it's the same story every time. Yeah. For the most part. But I love the first Iron Man. Yeah. And, like, I think that was a great way to start the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
off of that. And I, yes, I did see a lot of the other ones and stuff like that. I loved Endgame overall, even though I will admit Infinity War was so much better. Finally seeing the bad guy win when everyone was dying, I was like cheering and you guys Same. were looking at me. Agreed. No, hey, <laughs> in no, the but, theater, they were throwing their cups at you. Oh, no, no, no. Some of the other people... Most there, people like, believe that Thanos was, was correct. <laughs> yeah. No, well, here's the thing, though. I'm like, like, some of the other people that were there with us, like, I think Tyler was even looking at me. And they're like, oh, you monster, how could you, like, be so happy at this? Why are you so happy? Everyone I know and love is dying in front of me. That was, that was, well, that was, that was a good movie. Because no. it, 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 they built up the characters for so many years, and you felt that they were just, they were powerful enough to defeat those threats that affected them. But then when the big threat finally came, they were powerless. And the reason why you felt so, the reason why Jared felt so, elated when Thanos was winning and the reason why everybody else around him was so appalled that he was doing this is because for so many years the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been building up those characters and making us love them. Yeah. They've been showing us different sides to their characters, developing them over periods of time and showing that they're not just heroes, they're humans, right? It's to the level where we can relate. And, um, and to be honest, like the the other day you, you, you came over to my house and Ryan and uh with with Oscar and we we played a session of Reborn in Power and then after that we played we watched uh, Captain America Civil War mm -hmm. and um, that movie was about trying to trying to show how the human mind is invaluable yeah. and like and um, well valuable valuable uh, fallible fallible yes mm -hmm. um, but basically it's it's trying to show that oh we we are always we can fight we fight each other so much and mm -hmm. and it's like we we need to just stop the fighting man yeah just need to stop for a second and look mm -hmm. back and just watch and that's what i like about storytelling is that storytelling is it's an extension of life and living it's there's an expression it's kind of cliche but life imitates art or you can invert it art imitates life and i would say that both of them are true obviously art was based on people living their lives, right? A still painting of a bowl of fruit, right? It's, it's art that is imitating an act or a visual in life. Yeah. But it gets to the point sometimes where art can move people, right? Like of storytelling, a, sto a good story can move a person's listening to it. Art can have an effect on life, just as life has an effect on art, just as current times have an effect on how people perceive their surroundings and how they write those stories that they yeah. write. To inspire. Mm -hmm. To create. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and to destroy. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and those are the kind of stories, no matter what kind of story, and I have a broad definition of story, any sort of piece of media I can think of has a story to it, whether it's a news article or a comic book. Or... We are all like filled with stories that that's literally what we do yeah. on, on a daily basis is we we tell each other stories about our day and every moment in life is mm -hmm. you kind of collecting information so that you could tell it to another person anything that you weren't there for is a story to you and anything you were there for is a story for someone else it's just the, the way that you communicate them between the two that's how storytelling works yeah so the next question oh on this Topic of storytelling, um, how it has changed over the years or decades or centuries. Um, currently, our our current 
storytelling medium of how everything is working is kind of in crazy array. It's during... in a state of flux. Yes. It's in shambles. It's over. <laughs> Media's dead. <laughs> Media as we know it is kind of in shambles. Yes. But that opens the way for new way types of storytelling. Yeah. New alternative new mediums. Yeah, alternative mediums mm -hmm. of, to try to get express yourselves in, in different ways. Um, currently, my my gripe with the entertainment industry and how it is affecting storytelling is that it has just lowered the bar significantly to a point where it's just rehashed shit over and over again to where they're just trying to make money off of you and off of your children mainly that's disney um trying to you know bring like uh oh live action uh cinematic thing of of this movie that you enjoyed as a child Turns out the movie wasn't that great. And Lion King and Mulan, the two best examples of Disney live action flops. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least storytelling perspective. So, some made money. Mulan didn't make much, but and I did cover Mulan in my guest episode, by the way. Yes. So mm -hmm. shameless plug, episode five. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the kind of thing where society and life, living people, have to react to that, those types of stories that they're experiencing. And Currently, in the current situation that we're in, the COVID-19 pandemic, it's not just the Disney live like, uh, animated movies, live action movies that are flopping. It's most movies that are flopping because yeah. nobody's going to go to the movie theater to see them. Yeah, no, nobody's going to the movie theaters. Um... And conversely, episodic stories and episodes like on Netflix, on Hulu, on things like that, series are much more... There was an uptick in, consuming, in uh, consumers that are watching using those services. Yeah. Because that's how society is right now. Yeah. Yeah. We have too much free time, and that's why we can consume all this media. That's and why we, we are can... going to capitalize on, on it, and I'm going to make a lot of money off you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, Jared's always thinking with his wallet. <laughs> and that's the reason I think why tabletop gaming is so... It's, it's enduring. It's existed for at least since the 1970s, probably further back then, depending on how long you take it to, like, wartime board games. But Netflix has been around for, in the way that we know it, not delivering movies via mail. Yeah. For that was, around... That was only, like, a, like um, I think that was a decade ago? Literally a little over a decade. I yeah. think it was, like, 2008-ish around there. Yeah. But that's only existed for a little more than a decade. Tabletop gaming has existed for at least a few decades, depending on who you ask. And... That's, I think, the reason for that is because it's such a pure form of storytelling, such a, such a unique form of storytelling. Because you're not consuming an outside media when you're talking about that. Sure, there are guidebooks, there are source books that you can get from different companies that provide a story for you if you want to tell it or give you a place to start. But the roots of that is that you, as some sort of storyteller, usually a dungeon master, a game master, a lore master. Yeah. Are creating a story on your own or at least partially on your own that other people at your table can enjoy and that is a unique creative experience that cannot be mass marketed that cannot be turned into a shitty live-action movie <laughs> that is unique to you and the people that you're playing with yeah and it it creates amazing stories to tell with with your friends and and uh, I remember when I first started playing any kind of tabletop or RPG or or, or something like that and we'd 
I'd go up to a friend and I'd be super excited to, uh, like at like school and be like, "Oh, dude, guess what I did? I slayed a dragon the other the other day, and 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 then I almost got I almost got uh, beat up by this orc, and and someone is listening by, by and it's like, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> it sounds like a fantasy novel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what kind of game were you playing? I mean, yeah, just come in. And it didn't come with a price tag, aside from maybe the pencils and paper that you used, yeah. right? It didn't, it wasn't marketed to you. It was something, aside from maybe your friend saying, hey, come on, let's have a fun time. Yeah, yeah and, and they uh, they allow for a good uh, a good variety of, of different kinds of... Um, stories. Stories. Yeah. Well, um, it's never the genres, same story yeah. twice, and yeah. the genre can be very, di very different. And, like, one thing I like about, you know, your game, Matt, Reborn in Power, compared to games like Dungeons & Dragons, is that you actually have, like, many different settings that you can put us in. Anything futuristic, um, within space, or even medieval. And the thing that I found an issue with D&D &D was that it was always so restrictive in being in this, like, nightly setting. Yeah. And, you know, your variety is definitely one of the things that, like, I found really compelling when I was first getting interested into your game. And that's a sign of a well-made story, is one that can be... well made, A well-made setting for a story that can be adapted in different ways that keep it creative, keep it fun. Yeah, and it could change... Like, if let, let's say, like, oh... Because when you, when you look back at our, our reality on, on Earth a hundred years ago, it is a vastly different world. Absolutely. Vastly different world. And then, like, if you're looking at a, an actual story and you're looking, like, a hundred a hundred years in the future or something like that or a hundred years in the past mm -hmm. and see how how would you change the elements of that world it's believable the way yeah. you've written it right yeah. it's it allows for the immersion that you find so important in a story right it's there's a point where something can become so fantastic that it becomes unbelievable and that can detract from the enjoyment of the story itself but the way that you've written your story man you've written your world of reborn in power I feel that it's, it allows, it doesn't push itself, it's not so assertive, it allows someone to put themselves in there and it, in a comfortable fashion, to put themselves into a character that they've designed with a, your vast number of like creative options for the character design features in your game, and you can feel comfortable playing that character, and it can be believable, and you can suspend your disbelief easily yeah. and in a comfortable manner. Thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Where should where, where do we think that the storytelling should head in the, in the near future? Um, how how should it change and adapt to the changing environment that we're that we're going through currently? Well, I certainly believe that storytelling and media in general should embrace a more creative outlook. Obviously, it's a gripe that many people share, some of the people at this table included, that rehashed media is not unique it's not it's not it doesn't feel special it doesn't feel motivating enthralling the way that some homemade unique media like is they're, they're they're trying to get rid of the risk yes the risk element in in yeah. in it so they're trying to take stories and they're trying to make them uniform every story yeah. you tell has yeah. some kind of risk in, in it yeah. cut to fit right to so that they can market it to everybody yeah. and nobody can be offended and everybody can enjoy it, or at least that's what their master plan is. That's not that's not going to be a successful route, I believe, in the future for the entertainment industry. 
what I feel like the entertainment industry should do for going forward is to embrace more creative points of view from different directors, different artists yeah. that have their own stories to tell. Some of the best games that I've played, video games, I'm, I'm a pretty big video game fan, some of the best stories that I've experienced from video games were outlandish at best, right? Or kind of scary at worst, I'm sure, for the producers that were building yeah. them. Because Matt said, there's a risk associated with putting something that you've created out there that might not appeal to every single audience. That's why you got to find your target market. <laughs> and not every company wants to try and take that risk to yeah. appeal, to tell a, a very unique and imp like compelling story, despite the fact that it might not appeal to everybody, every single audience. Yeah. Jaren, you have any thoughts? Mm -hmm. Oh man, well, what could where, I say? Where should storytelling <laughs> head into the future? Well, okay, we can't be so restrictive with it, which is one of the bigger points we've been getting at. And nowadays, of course, we either see rehashes or we see when people want to be surprising, they just want to have shock value yeah. and they'll get rid of the stories. So one of the most popular TV shows, um, especially in the 2010s, besides Breaking Bad, would have to be The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. That show, of course, they like number one and like beat a lot of ratings and all that, too. And I did read the comics. I read that entire thing, too. And I was all caught up with the show and still technically am with the main. But I haven't been enjoying it for the most part. And I've kind of reached this crossroads where I just want to stop entirely. And But I have not really decided yet. Because, you know, with the pandemic, we have to decide what we're going to do here. You know, I need to entertain myself now that I'm done with finals. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> the issue with that show was it was not it was killing people off for the sake of shock value. And it, they didn't care what they were, where they were going with it. It was as if they didn't really have a plan. And the show originally thrived on establishing its world, its overall world building. You know, you know that there's an apocalypse. You see zombies behaving, well, walkers in this case, you know, being the, the creatures they're supposed to be. The threat. The, thre the overall threat. And yes, of course, in, apocalypse, in, in an apocalypse, you'd expect people would form their groups, their own little militias, and they get out there. And of course, we did get to see that stuff, you know, with the governor, and to some extent with Negan. Except they completely went off the rails when they stopped making the threat that important. And just like with The Simpsons, you would have characters that were like, you know, flanderized, where they're just reduced to that single character trait. And I think a really good example of that, of course, Spongebob, which just, I, I know that I know that sounds like ridiculous when you think about it, but every kid, remember when that show actually had depth to it within the first few seasons? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like everything, you know, pre-first -mo movie Spongebob, yeah. like that stuff had humor for adults. It had the appeal to kids mm -hmm. and it actually focused on getting that wide range. But then they said, oh no, the core audience is kids. And then Patrick, instead of being someone who cared about Spongebob, he became such an idiot that you don't even know what he's doing. And you're trying to say, why is Spongebob friends with this guy at all? Spongebob used to be a lovable goofball. But now it's as if he's purposely doing everything to annoy Squidward. And now, as adults, we all relate to Squidward because we think everyone's so full of it. But now he's yep. just mean for the sake of being mean. They've, they've been reduced to one-dimensional versions where um, there were um, once previously yeah. well-developed, multifaceted characters. Well, yeah. that's and that's where the term, you know, flanderization came from, because mm -hmm. it originated from The Simpsons, mm -hmm. where you had, you know, uh, Flanders, you know, religious guy, but 
he used to actually have a lot more depth to him, but now it's just that. And, of course, that's why that term exists. And there's so many different stories that emulate that same pattern of having one-dimensional characters that have that do not develop themselves, that do not have a specific sort of arc where they develop and then end and then begin again. Yeah. They don't, they just, it's like they're stuck in a stasis in terms of where they are and they don't want they to develop. stagnated. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, every story needs an arc, it needs a conclusion, and I'm not saying like every show needs to end like at a, you know, at a, a specific point. But, but it's not bad have, that they do. Exactly. Yeah. No, shows, that, that, most good shows good end. shows end. Yeah, most good shows end at like se- between seasons four and seven, yeah. Like if you go on longer than that, most likely your show's gonna have quite a few bad seasons, and it gets diluted. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, man, sorry, I, I'm just thinking about like all these shows <laughs> that had potential of just like being good throughout the. But life. we're talking about how should how should uh, the storytelling like you know industry and all that stuff uh, proceed into Don't the be future. okay. H- here's a good quote. I'm gonna say here: Don't be afraid to offend. And I'm not saying don't try to find a controversy. Don't be the controversy just to gain the views. Put something slightly provocative out there. What are you trying to get across? And the thing is, a lot of movies, studios, have under underestimated the intelligence of their viewers. They literally beat their message over the head with a bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't they don't know how to integrate lessons in anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I'm I'm blown away by that. Yeah, real art challenges you and makes you uncomfortable yeah. in certain aspects. Well, yeah, and no, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I guess one could claim that oh, this situation makes me uncomfortable, and like I'm uncomfortable because I feel like I'm being preached to as, as like a five year old learning basic lessons. It's amazing how you can feel preached to and like talked down to at the same time. No, exactly. But they think, oh, hey, that's what people want. That's good storytelling. I'm like, no. Why do these people? The minority want this? wants it. Like most most people, like it's like for 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 example, Star Wars. The uh, the sequel trilogy, the yes. one that just recently came out, they blew it for most Star Wars fans. Now, Mandalorian is out, and they are, they're starting to redeem themselves a bit. Well, that's because John Favreau and Dave Filoni are gods. Yes. But but this did Disney made a decision, and and they were they were like okay okay well we see that a lot of people do not like. The new movies that came out, we, we're going to need to, you know, try to transition back to, you know, Clone Wars days, Clone, the Clone Wars era, and, um, and honestly, hopefully yeah. that is that is where they're headed. Well, and the thing is, now that, like, they're having all these, like, Disney Plus shows and spinoffs and stuff like that, now we're actually going to be getting shows from many different eras, and I'm not afraid for them to cover it anymore, because they're doing such a good job with The Mandalorian, because, yeah. you know, it takes place between episodes six and seven. The, the, what, what's good is that they're, they're going to, they're going to have so many, so many different outlets that they can, like, do stories in, and then some of them might, might be flops. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, a few of them, like, look like Possibly they might they might be flops, but then a few of them also look like they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty damn good. Bad batch, and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and having flops, having unsuccessful pursuits into storytelling, is a byproduct of good storytelling. Yeah, it's it, when you it, it's a learning experience. When you want to pursue an idea, sometimes your ideas are not going to be well received, and this is. That doesn't mean that nobody liked your idea. That just means that it didn't hit a large enough audience to target. Yeah. To make it 
successful quote in the eyes of some media junkie, media mogul. But that doesn't mean that people didn't like it. That just means that it wasn't well received enough to get another stipend for your project. And the products that do find their way, that do get off their feet and actually become popular with enough people to actually maintain them, are going to be better overall than the stuff that we have right now. Yeah. Because they're going to be unique. They're not going to be uniform, cookie-cutter stories that look the same as the last thing that came out last year. They're going to be unique, compelling stories. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I believe that we need to head in a direction of to what what Ryan said, creativity. Uh, we need to embrace. We need to em- we need to allow people to express themselves creative creatively without impeding on on their you know like what their what their decisions are on on that project. When if you don't like it, go find something else that you, that There's- that. Yeah. You like. There's too many me stop trying yeah. to stop trying to, to change the things that you don't like to make it to where you to where you to where you like it. It's like the news there these days. There's going to be someone out there that's saying what you want to hear, right? Yeah. If you don't like what you're hearing, go find something else. Yeah. And I and I don't mean that like cuz cuz I know like for Star Wars, they 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 screwed up Star Wars. They they, they might screw up other specific uh, genres that that you used to love. I I don't mean leave that area. At that point, I think that you should Try to try to fight the creators or wh- whoever has cha- like changed their how they have done their storytelling, um, or like if they fired some some kind of director and then rehired like new directors that that have a different outlook on the on how the story should go. At that point, I feel like you do need to try to like make make your voice heard, give out an opinion, say, oh hey, this used to be good. But now it isn't as good as it as it used to be. We need we need to we need to bring it back to where where it once was, or we need to find a new outlet to entertain ourselves through. Which is not to say detracting from creativity. Yeah. Obviously, people are going to like certain aspects of of a story, and other people are not going to like those aspects. That doesn't. What Matt's saying it does not mean to put down a unique attempt or a unique point of view from a story. What he's saying is to stop being so stop being so bland stop being yeah. so cornered into whatever market you feel like you've been like story you feel like you're forced to write yeah yeah well also be open to criticism to an extent too because i mean you know you learn more from the failures and the successes yes. but i think one of the biggest issues here is that people are caving in to others demands in these things and by caving in to every single demand you try and push in every single direction, you end up flat and yeah. bland and appealing to nobody completely. Yeah. So, um, that, that was good. I, I like that one. Um, and last part is, how does this affect our society as a whole? How does all of this affect society as a whole? The storytelling and all that stuff. People need stories to stay sane, to be able to function in normal life, at least nowadays, maybe not in the past, but certainly nowadays. I, I believe in the past too. Probably. Yeah. But either way, nowadays, with how hectic, hectic life can be, with how stressful certain events nowadays can, and the effects that they can have on us, both as media consumers and just as people living our lives in general, you need some form of escape or relaxation. And most people find that in stories. And it's a shame that people like this 
just living their lives have to put up with some of these cookie cutter bland stories that they've been deluded into believing are good. Yeah. And yeah. 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 They've lowered the bar, and it keeps lowering and lowering. And if they lower we need the bar, to, yeah. we need to raise the bar. We need we need to need to start, you know, putting things out there. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm planning on doing. Um, and I hope others follow me. That's what you've been pursue. succeeding at so far. Well, I wouldn't say it's a success yet. Not until we can really get a lot of people in in this endeavor with me. I, I, I want I want to see others join me in creating a new well a new outlet for create for for creators to thrive basically mm-hmm. um, to inspire and not to be afraid to offend. Mm-hmm. Yes, because. Imagine, if you will, a table with that's surrounded by friends that are telling a story. Nobody's going to become offended there. Yeah. Nobody's going to become, unless unless something terribly oh, wrong oh. happens. Right? Yeah, unless we purposely go for the judge. But there's no reason. Uh, unless you're playing an orc. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No orcs um, are racist. We can't do that. <laughs> there you go. But all things being equal, if you're sitting around a table telling your story with your friends, nobody's going to come up to you at the table. Unless they're a very different type of person, and say I didn't like your story, and they're going to say, "Boo to your story! I'm leaving this table." That only happens when you don't have the right people at your table, right? That's a flaw on their part. If you're trying as hard as you can to tell a good story, the people at your table are going to enjoy it. And as unrealistic as that might seem to some media companies out there, this is. This is Plato's ideal, right? This is this is the perfect form of a story, right? At a table. If only we can get at some point in the future media companies to mimic this sort of idea. Yeah. Where everybody's at the table and having a good time and everybody has an understanding that this is a fictitious story for our enjoyment only and there is no tendency, there is no need to be offended. Or get your point across. It's just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. And there's still lessons that can be learned from these stories and all that. It's ju- it's just we can't be afraid to, you know, try to get that lesson across in a compelling way. And there's many different elements in storytelling that can be used to do it, but they just keep repeating the same ones or they and they're not just the same elements and the same messages, but the same exact story. And the only thing they change is, oh, let's change the animation live action. Oh, let's let's change the race of the characters. Let's change the gender of the characters. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, that, there's nothing compelling about this. And then when you tell them that you don't like it because it's not original, because they're not actually changing anything, then they, this is where the politics come into it. And this is why I'm so pissed off about the entertainment industry. That's a very good point, Jaren. There's a difference between a change that is created and a change that is just meant to somehow appeal to a greater audience. Well, Obviously, a change can appeal to a greater audience, but if it's not, ex- if a change isn't expressing someone's creativity in a different outlook on a story, what is its purpose? It's not going to appeal to anybody else. It's just to, it's just to try to include more people. Well, well, here's the thing. You would think, but the, they don't allow us to criticize it. If we do, we are labeled as sexists or misogynists mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, I'm going to say Black Panther was an average movie, mm-hmm. okay? It was an average movie. There is nothing wrong with it. I think Chadwick Bosman was a great guy, mm-hmm. great actor. You know, rest in peace. 
Very good, very good We're person. Born in power. We're born in power. <laughs> yes. See, shameless plug. But there was nothing so revolutionary about it. And the thing is, when the media kept talking about it, they said there is more black people in this. And I'm thinking that's not what that's not what they should be focusing on here. I they mean, should be, sure, they should be focusing the, on on a great know, story. Yeah, the 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 storytelling element and you. Black Panther was 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 an a- average movie in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like a huge a huge fan of it, but I thought it was it it was definitely better than like Captain Marvel or or Thor Ragnarok. To be honest, in, in my in oh, my opinion, it wasn't. Oh yeah, no, I, I it was still better think, than well, Thor Ragnarok. Well, here's opinion. something, and, and, and we might di- di- differ a little bit. It's like I thought I didn't. I'm not a fan of Thor two, but yet I still like Black Panther better than Thor two. Yeah, overall. And, and and that's the thing. It's this is not to show that we have some sort of like crazy agenda with this. We're allowed to have differing opinions, and that's totally okay. But when you start labeling people the worst things in the book because we criticize you guys for un- being unable to come up with your own ideas, and you have to corrupt everything that was already established, and if we don't bend over and thank you for it then we get banned off social media platforms and then the second we do that then that gets removed from google and all that no one has a place to talk anymore and it creates these echo chambers and the reason why i like what matt's doing is because he actually wants to be innovative he wants to tell good stories again Mm -hmm. and he's not afraid to be somewhat provocative when need be and he's not afraid to put in the messages that, you know, some ideological opponents of mine might have. And he finds good ways of doing it with, like, with the yen. Yeah. That is a good form of solidarity, bringing people together, even having some female-centric societies where they tend to be the more dominant ones. And that is compelling. I like that. And especially in a setting like a tabletop where you're going to be playing Reborn in Power, nobody's going to come up to you and say, hey, I didn't like this and not offer any good constructive criticism, right? As your lore master, you're going to try and make your story as enjoyable as possible for anybody that you're, that you're playing with. But the understanding that I go into when I'm telling a story in a tabletop game is that everybody understands the fact that anything that we're going through, anything that we're playing through, any ideas that we're discussing or expressing is just for the fun of it, yeah. right? And ha- having a debate, having a... A logical debate and having discussing different points of view can be enjoyable but it's never hostile it's never meant to try and show that something is wrong or better than something else it's a setting that you've created Matt and many other people in different role-playing games and different settings this is the most friendly environment you can possibly have yeah. all things you, being equal you it's it's about being cooperative because the entire game is 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 trying to get people together mm-hmm. to to imagine themselves into a new world that is created by another person mm-hmm. and they are the they are the main characters in that story to go through that world and explore it and it's that's what it's about it's about having fun it's not about teaching not that to- stories can't be great vectors by which one can share knowledge or points of view but in Matt's game and storytelling in in tabletop storytelling in general the main function is to have fun and that's something that many uh, mainstream media providers have lost their sight on 
Well, I think what I want to give one example of where I think this one of the more recent examples where I think the entertainment industry has really lost it when it comes to movies or anything like this, mm -hmm. any storytelling perspective. So, um, the Artisia does have a movie that's coming out called Music, and it had and there's this controversy involving this movie, and apparently there is the main character is meant to be this um, a low functioning autistic teenager who's pretty much like mute and mostly communicates with some sort of electronic device, I think it's like a tablet or something. And apparently there's like this um, scenario where the sis there she lives with some like sister of hers that like sells drugs and stuff like that. It's like kind of like a drama to an extent, but it's also her struggle of, you know, existing in the world where she's in that kind of setting and how she tries to, you know, get out there. And it sounds like a good idea for a story, mm -hmm. but everyone is so focused on the casting because uh, the person they casted for this um, is a dancer named Maddie Ziegler, who's a per good personal friend of Sia. And people are criticizing it because the person who's playing the autistic teen isn't autistic herself. That seems very strange to me. And if I may take in it like a counterexample of that, casting the, uh, the role, asking someone to be like, are casting an autistic person in that role because they are auti autistic, it doesn't make much sense to me. Imagine if you would an opposite side of the spectrum back in like the 1920s, 1930s, back when film industry was first beginning to take off. Blackface was a thing, yellowface was a thing because actors during the actors and filmmakers didn't feel the need or didn't want to cast actual African American or Asian American people in those roles that they were representing. That's the exact opposite of that, because now we're trying to include someone in a role where perhaps an actor will portray a better story overall, even though, even though the actor that they're trying to, the uh, character they're trying to portray won't, they won't be autistic, they won't be exactly like them. That's the purpose of a story, it's fictional. You can have a gap, you can suspend your reality. You know that the actor isn't actually on the spectrum, but you can still appreciate their performance. Exactly, and we're not, and the, when the person's portraying like an autistic woman, we're not trying, they're not trying to say, oh look, she's autistic, oh we're gonna like, you know, demean them. Like, that's not the point of the movie whatsoever, and to somehow think that not casting an autistic person for the role is like some personal attack is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And we should be, you know, we should be allowed to tell stories mm -hmm. and be and still allowed to have these heavier themes there, regardless if it's a thing of fiction or not. And I mean, I mean, yes, I guess this next point is going to sound very satirical, but, you know, I shouldn't have to be bit by a radioactive spider play Spider-Man. It's called acting. Mm -hmm. You know, you act, you're pretending to be someone you're not. Now, if you want to make it more convincing and have an autistic person for that role, if they can do acting, because that is an art form. Not every person who's, like, you know, autistic is going to, you know, be good for acting in, an, in a role that has to do with an autistic person. And, you know, aut autism has a wide spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it's not always going to be that, that kind of thing either. And most people don't realize this. But they kind of just go on the bandwagon of, oh, it's, it's somehow this stuff is discriminatory and it's this and that. And then they just go on social media and vent about this stuff. But most of these people don't care. They're not actually interested in this whatsoever but that's all they do and media has now bought into this because they believe that's how they retain their audience and obviously if music is a drama right it's kind of ironic the idea that a casting choice would create drama in real life right probably more drama than even the idea of the show per, like presents in its surroundings but 
a drama should have think about it. A drama requires conflict, mm-hmm. right? I think any story requires conflict any, to an yes. extent. Yeah, absolutely. And but a drama especially requires sort of an emotional conflict between characters in order to express what they're the story in sort of to tell the story that they're trying to tell. And that that kind of drama a drama in general, it requires a unique point of view. It's more adapted to a unique story style that challenges the people the people that are consuming the media. A drama is obviously not going to be very dramatic if it if someone walks in to the movie theater and says, "Hey, that's my life." It's not very dramatic because they've lived it. The reason why dramas as a genre are appealing to people is because they're fictitious or they're so far away removed from their lives that they can actually enjoy it and use it as a form of escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was going to say, uh, I, you know, when, when, my dad was watching James Bond the other day and I, I heard it, you know, the, the, the soundtrack. Bum, 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 that, that kind of stuff. Double and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know that Ildris Elba is supposed to be the uh, the um, Felix the, the new oh the new, new James Bond, Bond. Okay. The new yeah. James Bond. yeah it, but there was a controversy about it being a him being black or something like that I I remember reading something like that but I'm fine with it yeah no, I'd be fine with it. I think I think mm-hmm. Elba is a great actor and I I'd, I'd be very interested in see that in seeing that. No, I'm good with that too. And the thing is, James Bond wasn't meant to be like a specific like race or something. It's a it's a code. Yeah, it it's is. a code name, so it can be a, it can be anyone. Yeah, double O. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the whole point mm-hmm. of that. So like it makes sense if you want to do like different races and stuff for that too. And like you know if you want yeah. to have like a movie and, like, that if cares it, more. If it was a female, it it'd be the same way because that yeah. is literally the point. Double yeah. O. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, like, you can make stories like like that to to make it to where you can cast any any person into it as long as they're a good actor and they mm-hmm. and they can actually portray the role the right way. Yeah. And if you want more his like you know, historically accurate ones for when you're doing different kinds of movies, that's I can totally understand yeah, that yeah. point, and that's totally but, okay. But, but they have to be able to act. But for fictional for fictional stories that are just that are written by some kind of like you know creative writer and they're trying to make some kind of like movie out of it mm-hmm. or or tv show or whatever whatever medium they, they're choosing they they need to make sure that that whoever they're casting will be a good fit for the entire cast and also will be a good fit for the role and it shouldn't matter what race they are what gender they are as long as it will fit whatever whatever uh, story they're telling as long as it will it will work with what what they're trying what they're to trying across. to get across yeah the, um, the story that they're trying to tell don't yes. let the casting corrupt the story and obviously casting is an issue that is it's inherent to the idea of films and TV series and stuff like that that show live action and stuff like that things like animated series or books or comic books print media or the like that are hand drawn or created don't have this kind of problem because the creators are much more easily able to express exactly what they're trying to express in their story. They don't need to rely on have, on casting a specific actor because they don't need to worry about the image that they're providing because the consumer of the media provides their own image or in the case of an animated thing, piece of media, the illustrator can very easily render out exactly what 
the story the director is trying to produce in that film and still people can get offended at these kinds of things yeah. when what is there are you holding out some sort of resentment against the creator of the story because they're depicting it how they want to i think people are just trying to find some kind of purpose in life and because they have no purpose in life their purpose is to try to discredit others no i i think they want to try to they feel like they, they want need, to be a they, part of they something. need to fix they need to fix the corruption that they see and their vision their vision of corruption yeah. is has become flawed mm-hmm. has has just has a flawed perspective and then that is just their way of of finding purpose in life honestly i think most people just couldn't look at the, look at themselves in the mirror once covid hit because now they couldn't just do go about their daily to day grind so then when they finally looked at themselves they didn't like what they saw yeah. I think that's just what happened to a lot of people in general. This is why you get like these like rising rates of all these other issues. Yeah. And all that. So I think that does play a little bit into like why everyone seems so down and negative about everything and why like you get a lot more responses to some of the most nonchalant or like vague things that hypersensitivity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because like people need something to pay attention to. And Or else they'll go insane. Well yeah, well everyone's insane now <laughs> everyone is okay okay jerry should i take you to somewhere oh i'm gonna bring out the tinfoil hat <laughs> Ooh, conspiratorial let's oh, go let's go <laughs> no um but uh i believe we are going to transition um into the anthology but we're going to give a second um i think let's let's take a little break get like get get up Grab some water. Yeah, we need some time to transition from reality to fantasy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Reality right. to fantasy. Let's go. We need to collect our so thoughts. Give us a few moments. We'll be right back. As Darren said before, we are back. Mm-hmm. Um, and better than ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back again. again. Yes. <laughs> back again. But instead of going back to reality, we're going back to fantasy. Yeah, we're going back to fantasy. And But this is going to be very heavily a conversation that dives into um, our Thading Anthologies, the podcast that you should have been listening to uh, for, for some time now. Um, this is your first time experiencing our anth- uh, are they anthologies? I'm sorry. Especially well, halfway yeah. through the episode. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but um, now that we're back, we're going to be d- discussing uh, the anthology series that I have that I have been putting together. Um, where we start, where each person has started um, in, I guess, meeting me, and then and then going through their journey mm-hmm. through this. Um, how it has changed over the course of of playing Reborn in Power and also um, just learning the the different lore that I've I've put together and where we think it could head into the future and how it can affect society as a whole if we you know if if I can focus my my efforts to to try to build this into a bigger a bigger platform for others to join in mm-hmm. um, but for now. Let's begin with how we how we started. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll I'll begin. Um, I started when I started a while back. I wanted to create a, a new universe as soon as as soon as Marvel I, Iron Man came out, um, and that kind of inspired me. Uh, and I was writing stories at that point, 
So I started writing writing my own my own stories and and all that stuff, but it didn't change into a tabletop RPG until I first started getting into tabletop RPGs. I was already into role playing. Um, I feel like people, if if you listen to my introduction um, episode at, at the at the start of all this, I'm pretty sure I went over this stuff, but a little bit, little bit more freeform. Um, I got into role playing games through. Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition, but it was so complex that I didn't understand it and I didn't like it very much until uh, Tyler, who was a guest on t- on the 10th episode of the podcast, um, he got Forced in Destiny, the Star Wars tabletop RPG, and we started playing it. And that's when I was like, huh, I've been, I've like spent like about seven years of my life now writing an entire like multiverse of of lore for like my stories that I've been writing maybe I could make a game into this into this you know universe so I started it um around five years ago now and uh well many iterations down the line many 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 hours uh blood sweat and tears not much blood but a lot more tears I'm assuming yes (laughs) fictitious blood um but Reborn in Power was born, and I, well, yeah, it was Reborn in Power. Matt was Reborn in Power. It, it's it's a double entendre. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> laugh now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of cringy, I, I, I understand. But um, at, at a certain point, I, I, w- I realized that my all the stories that I write have some kind of idea of rebirth in them, and I wanted to create a universe that others could help create with me all like throughout my entire life my whole goal was to bring people into the universe that i that i've created but also allow them to expand it out further and get a new outlet for creators to join in so i decided reborn power will be the catalyst for this for this creative venture that i i have set forth on um it will help it will help bring people into the universe that I've created, but also it will help them strive to create their own worlds and their own races, their own their own stories, in order to expand the universe even more. Um, I always say it is an ever-expanding universe. It is a new expanding universe, and it is my child that I wish to give to you so that you can begin creating your own legacy. Um, but that's my intro. Go on, Jaren. How did you start in this anthology? Okay, well, <laughs> before meeting you, Matt, I had no idea about tabletop RPGs. I would call myself, I would have called myself then a tabletop virgin. <laughs> <laughs> you have br- shown me the light. I have... Showing you the way. This yes, this is, is the, the way. way. <laughs> yes, and I, I, I can't be, ha- I can't be happier. I can. It feels good to be able to express like a geeky side of yourself. Yeah. And to be honest, everyone has that potential, but everyone likes to judge each other for so on these social norms, and they have no good reason for it. <laughs> they never do. Well, now. Nerd culture became popular like a, like a decade ago, and now Dungeons and Dragons is like in, in the mainstream. But because Dungeons and Dragons is, is in the mainstream, it's it's starting to saturate the 
the market to mm-hmm. an extent mm-hmm. where now, well, the culture is getting into it and the culture is... Oh, you know it's big when South Park even does an episode <laughs> on it. And yet, for some reason, tabletop gaming in general seems to be still some sort of shadow lurking underneath yeah. all that social idea. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but like that, that, that comes from the, the game... The game um, the gaming culture and uh, and all that stuff, but of course, and well, yeah. I was always a gamer at heart, and then like that's part of the reason why I really wanted to like try this. But I mean, when you were first explaining this to me, like when I first met you, and man, you are not afraid to open up. Like this, within a few days, I already had you telling me your life story. <laughs> like it's not like either either I was that persuasive or you just really needed to let something out. Yeah, <laughs> but. I always need a shoulder to cry on. Oh yeah, you know, and I I, I became that fool. So. <laughs> Yeah. No, but and and now and now look, look who's paying. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh no, benefactor. No. Oh, you know. Oh, but I'll I be making have money. Said that. I'll Shh. be making money soon. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll show you. Yeah. So I, I, my introduction. I hope that you make money because that means I'm making money. Of course. Well, well, as long as I make money, it's all right. <laughs> okay, no, but my no, introduction. It's, it's all about the stories for me. My introduction, yes, of sorry. course. Sorry. So, introduction to the game. Um, I remember you would tell me about like, oh, you would put yourself in the in these like different worlds, and I'd be like telling the story. But you guys like make this stuff. I'm thinking like, oh, I have to act. Well, I'm shit at like plays in elementary school. Why would I do this? And I was like, I'm nervous. I don't know what I'm doing. Your here. first experience was yeah. with D and D, though. That is true. That is true. And you know what? I didn't get to say it last episode, so I'm gonna say it this one. The first thing I did. Oh. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna do it. Okay. Go ahead. Be, am I gonna be mad at you, Jerry? Oh, <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna, gonna have. To, I'm gonna have to gonna make lie. this an, an explicit yeah. episode. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be explicit now. This episode is now explicit. It's radar now. Yeah. Oh no. First thing I did. Uh, first thing I did in D and D when I was first doing any type of role playing. I decided to roll my penis size <laughs> for the heck of it. <laughs> Ryan's getting You always look. have to do that when you're a new player at a D&D table. You always have to cheat, see what size dick you have, no, okay? You don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Ryan has, Ryan has his, his hand on his head. He, we need to take a picture of this right now and oh, make it into good. a gif. Uh, no, that's the this is the cover for the episode. He just has his head in his hands. <laughs> not not the not the Arthanian logo, just just Ryan's yes, head yes, in disappointment. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um and it was a two inch it was two inch two inch. Yeah, yeah, I I, I had <laughs> such a terrible role. <laughs> I didn't think you actually were going to say Oh, no, it was such a terrible... I rolled a two. What race were you? Uh, Was I a human or something like that? I don't even... I I know it was a paladin. I was some sort of paladin. Oh, you might have been a... I think you were... Were you a gnome? No, no, no. You were short. You were the short one. I was dwarf. I was dwarf. Yeah, you were the short one. I remember I was, like, relatively tall. But anyway... But, yeah. yeah, no, so, of course, that was my first experience with <laughs> the games. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? This is hilariously fun. And then, like, Tyler, Tyler, I will admit, he was a pretty good storyteller, like, you know, because that, that was, like, some of my first interactions with them. Yeah. It's like seeing him, like, tell stories. I'm like, wow, he's actually really I, getting into I, this. I, I, I wish he were here because then he can recall, yeah. recall back to that time, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someday of course. I'll meet him. Maybe, yeah. It'll be a fun time. Yeah, but maybe, maybe next season. Ne- next season, we'll, we'll, next we'll probably season. have it. Season um, two finale. It's the season one finale that we were supposed to have. No, not season well, Maybe, maybe season two, yeah. uh, like first episode. We'll, we'll have, oh, okay. We we'll could. We'll it. figure something out. I, yeah, I think that podcast reborn. Yes, podcast reborn. Yeah. That'll be the name. <laughs> season two. I like the theme. I like the theme. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. 
but, yeah. um, you know, so Tyler is telling the, telling the stories. I'm like, he's, he's really getting into it. And, like, he found a way to put a few twists in there, too, that I didn't really see coming. Yeah. And then I realized, like, wait, I'm really having to act like how my character would act. And I kept putting myself in the character's position. This is, like, a recurring problem I've had for a long time. Yeah. It's, like, even especially in your game, except I progressively have gotten a lot better yeah. at it. Yeah, I mean, you... you, you I, for, your first character is always just the bust character oh yeah you kind of like you, you kind of start playing it and then it doesn't it doesn't last very long mm-hmm. you'll probably last a few levels like like at the, at the most mm-hmm. but then it's a learning experience yeah it is a learning experience and then and then you fall in love with your second character you never want to leave yeah yeah and then it's and then it's like wait I have to make a third character no i like my second and character. then you actually Why you really doing like your third me? character yeah, no and then i realize i like my third character even more and then it, you just ne- i never I, yeah i like what i'm doing yeah it's good it's good Tables but yeah once i'm starting real seeing that like realization like wait a minute i didn't want to do this but i'm enjoying this way more than i thought i would <laughs> and the next i know I'm like hey matt can we do a session can we do a session matt yeah that, that, do more of that and that like happens a lot <laughs> oh yeah no no well, hey now now it's you Not, doing it on me you're laying it on me hey, now. we yeah. both we yes this, this we, we bounce it on each other this is yes a give and take. yes and now we even have an epilogue to one of my my favorite character yeah and all that yeah. that ryan's also going to be joining in which on was soon. which was kind of kind of a sneak peek in, into it in ni- episode 19 um, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, no, and there are some implications to the core reset, but yeah. Oh, if you people only knew. Okay, okay. But we won't, we won't. Let's, we'll let you figure it out. Let's go on to Ryan and where you started on this. So, uh, when I was a little kid, I played a lot of video games, and that was fun. Uh, <laughs> still do sometimes, but not as much time as oh, Sorry, keep going, keep going. That was funny. <laughs> but uh, when I was in high school, I started playing uh, a D&D group. It wasn't really D&D, it was Pathfinder. But still high fantasy uh, setting, right? It was uh, GM by my friend. And I, like everybody that I assume joins a tabletop game, I was a little hesitant, a little nervous at first to play a character. But very soon, I got comfortable with it and started enjoying playing the character and more importantly weaving the story and how my character I played and how it contributed in that how the decisions that I made as that character contributed to how that story developed I liked it so much that I started actually writing my own stories and DMing my own campaign yeah, and yeah. It's, it's going pretty good right it's now it's going pretty good but that was high school before I met Matt I met Matt as I, we said earlier in this podcast at my community college uh, in a philosophy class, and that uh, we sh- sort of shared our enthusiasm over tabletop role-playing games. A few of the other people in the class, including the professor, we sort of got together a few times to play some games. I enjoyed it, but it didn't really last. Some of them don't last. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but we enjoyed it nonetheless for what it was. Yeah, and we created a good friendship out out of it. And yeah, we and just kept in contact. And since. Yeah. And uh, when that was happening, Matt in, uh, invited me one night after we were, we were walking to our cars in the school parking lot to uh, play his game at his house. And he invited me over to uh, play and make a character. And I accepted and we headed over to his house one night. And I made my first character in Matt's game, Reborn That was fun. And that was, that was fun. <laughs> he died two episodes, two uh, sessions later. Yeah. That was, but that, that was bad, still huh? fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
And more importantly, I had a better character. It's like Jaren said, the first character is always eh. Or as Matt said, the first character is always eh, and the second character is great. Yeah. Still on my second character. They yeah. haven't died yet. They didn't mm-hmm. die during the core reset. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's but more than anything, I'm enthralled at how much work I, as a person who has written his own story and hosted his own tabletop role-playing games, I'm astounded by the amount of care and thought that Matt has put into his setting. I can tell from from many hours doing the same thing in my own. And I enjoy it more than just taking a break from the DM seat. It yeah. is yeah. an entirely different and unique experience. Yeah. It's like a... I like to call it a healthy alternative mm-hmm. to like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, I do enjoy I, I do enjoy Dungeons and Dragons, um, and like my favorite thing to do as a person is is uh, character creation, and that's that's why I created Reborn of Power. But Dungeons and Dragons, I I, I will always whenever I'm starting any kind of new campaign with with D and D. I will always create like multiple character concepts before I, before I even start to try to figure out what I what I'm trying to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like Ethos right now. Yeah. yeah. And that that enthusiasm that you have for character customization and creation and backstory creation shows very much so in your reborn in power in reborn in power and in your anthologies in general. I assume. Yeah. I wonder one day, maybe, we'll get to, like... You'll make, like, a, a source book that was one of your stories, yeah. right? Yeah. And that'll be fun to play that, through. That will be fun. That will be really fun. But until then, it really does show through the amount of care and thought you put into the character creation process, the enthusiasm that that shows. So, um, with that being said, how has it changed over the course that you guys have been playing? Um, now, I believe, Jaren, you've been playing for a few years now. Oh, yeah. Um, Nearly three, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Like, we started playing, like, probably, like, a month or two after we met. Overall, like, you would talk yeah, to me about yeah. it, but we really started yeah. playing your game, or at least one of those iterations of it. Yeah, it was, it was, a, few, it was a few months after we, uh, after we met that we started playing. Exactly, um, yeah. And, I mean, there was definitely a lot more change that happened along yeah, the way. I can definitely the change. See, yeah. So, how about let's start with Ryan on this one, because mm-hmm. there's more change that, that you have seen mm-hmm. um, throughout it. But with Ryan... Well, I've been playing Run Power with Matt for about a year. Yeah. Right? Um, And for the most part, from what I've been uh, standing there, the thing that's changed the most about um, Run Power is the amount of lore that Matt, I assume, already had written before he sort of decided it was in the game, it was all in the head. It was all in the head. Yeah. (laughs) But the amount of lore that he's put and built into the... uh, the game system itself and the amount of resources I, for your enjoyment that he's put in has increased dramatically. It's The reason why I assume he calls it an ever-expanding world is because he is the one that is expanding it every so often with new ideas and new concepts. Yeah, and uh, I can't do it alone, folks, so if you want, come along. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am happy to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sharing. Oh, okay, my turn. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so how did it all change? Okay, well, so within your game, I've t- technically have had three characters so far. Yes. So there was Nexon, which was a Newgonian when we started. So that that system was vastly different. Well, not vastly, com- 
completely vastly. But at that point, I actually had classes. Remember, you were kinetic in that one. Oh yeah, that like, is were, true. Were yeah, you kind you kind of changed the the whole class thing. Up. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I took away classes. That is true. <laughs> Big change. Yeah. Big change. Yeah. No, but the thing is, like, we weren't oh, you with were the assassin. classes. You were an assassin. You weren't a kinetic. You were an assassin. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I was an assassin with yeah. the next one. Yeah, Alcaraz. The next one was a kinetic. Yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, I was an assassin with Maxon with that one. And man, I knew Goni an assassin. That was just, <laughs> that's weird. Like, just picture like a Roswell look at Roswell, New Mexico alien, like big grayish head, and this dude trying to assassinate people. It just doesn't sound right. <laughs> Hey, you, you can do whatever you want, okay? No, hey, hey man, it works. No, but here's the thing. What that's, I liked about Nexon mm-hmm. was like, and here's the thing when I realized, like, you actually were a storytelling genius, in my opinion. Because you really know how to, like, take anything I do, no matter how, like, really good or really stupid choices that I make. There's a lot of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, because... <laughs> hey! <laughs> Drunken Maine has made good choices. We'll get into that later. You not, know. not just you, everything. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because we're, we both we both GM'd him, mm-hmm. and so and so they both have put up with my shit. Yeah, <laughs> and enjoyed every second. Yeah, thank you, thank it, you. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh. Yeah. So um, when it comes to Nexon, so. When we were, so one thing I really liked about your storytelling, and like just to get like a brief overview of kind of like what Nexon was about, was he had a mil- he had a mi- military background. No, he was military. He, he was military. Yeah, mil- yeah military, military origin. Assassin. Yeah. Exactly. And what happened was I ended up doing a mission that caused me to eventually have to assassinate a former. Um, he was like a commander of mine. Yeah, that was a point. long time. Yeah, I know. So it's very rough around the edges because it's like years ago to try to recap. That this. wasn't even in like the yeah. core pillars where, where the main lore is at, mm-hmm. so... Exactly. <laughs> that was in the Sword Infinite. Mm-hmm. That was completely different. Wow. No, exactly, no. Completely <laughs> different area, and, like, the, and the, the thing is, every time we had a different campaign, you would find a way to completely, like, not just, like, change the genre, but also change the scope yeah. of it. Like, Nexon definitely felt like a more personalized story that just had some bigger storytelling elements to it. And then when you got to Algarez, man, everything got cosmic. It's like, it's uh, like... It was oh, you were a Beulah? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably why. <laughs> no, but like, it feels like what Avenger, the Avengers is trying to go for now, like later, like yeah. cosmic stuff. Matt already beat them too. Well, actually, no, technically they they would have beat it the comic book. in comics. Yeah, that's You know, every I'm... single time I create a new idea, mm-hmm. like... not I'm not even researching anything. It just comes out of my head and I just, I just started creating it. And as soon as I start creating it, some kind of some kind of story comes out, some kind of movie comes out that has the same exact elements. Well, and I'm at just some like, point it's gonna happen. You. At point it's gonna happen because yeah. like no idea is fully understood original. But like yeah. what I liked about the next one was oh, I ended up having to assassinate this dude, and now all the people that I used to serve with, oh yeah, or like those eight nine that people was... in my squad, all got the alert that like I I'm a turncoat now, and now they all were sent to hunt me down. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. Like and that and like I kind of wish we got to see where that went, but like there's a lot of stuff that happened. We don't need to like dive into yeah. that, but like that's kind of where the iteration of the game was at. Yeah. But that's when I realized, wow, you actually know how to turn this into like a you know, good campaign. Because I never really understood, like, my knowledge of campaigns in general was like, oh, hey, the Call of Duty campaign in Modern Warfare. I never really understood, like, how can you pre-plan so much ahead while also allowing so much variation to completely change what you're trying to do? 
And that is something, like, and this is why I'm not fully there for the storytelling aspect. I want to be able to act like my character first. And I definitely have made that progress. And I think anyone can learn to do this and pick this up. And, you know, it it really does take the time and effort. Just don't be afraid to surrender yourself. Let go of those inhibitions. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're all doing this as an escape. You know, you're sane when you learn to let go. And I think that's one thing people don't know how to do anymore. Mm -hmm. And... Well, yeah, that's what I liked about Nexon. Yeah, but Nexon. if we go to the other characters <laughs> and stuff, Algarez, now he I really enjoyed because as a kinetic, this dude was powerful. He had his master. We we had like different kinds of villains that were like more cosmic level stuff, some more local level things. Uh, you definitely made my character have some terrible experiences <laughs> along the way. Like I would I would switch sides every yeah. so often. There was yeah, my character was Oh my god! I think he was bipolar or something. <laughs> but... He also got got killed by like a but like a huge sword infinite like oh yeah army. Oh yeah 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 for for, for this one woman who didn't even care about me. That's yeah. that's some shit. I hated that. Yeah. But no, what I like the mo- one of my favorite things about the campaign is one of the characters I met that became like my best friend Isaac or Coven. He apparently had a very similar background because he knew the woman, yeah. and we were the only ones who actually talk about it. Actually. Inside the podcast, Isaac Orkovin was inside, um, I believe it was one of the seven, seven, it was, it was the pillar, um, the, the pillar polarization arc that I, that I did. So, um, during that, I, I would say it was, yeah, episode eight, nine, and eleven. Those those episodes for the pillar polarization arc. Oh my gosh, m- mouthful. Um, oh yeah, all the peas, man. Yeah, peas. Uh, but during that, during that, it, Isaac Orkelvin is a rune forger, and and he got kind of exiled out of the core, and then Algarez ended up meeting Isaac. Oh yeah, Planner Unity. Sometime yeah. later, a, a long time later, but I, Isaac was able to survive throughout that. Um, also, plant when you go out into the planar unity, time functions extremely differently than when in in the core, and that it, it, it's very. Yeah. Oh, you know exactly. Well, that's why it's good territory to explore because you're trying to figure well what kind of effects does that actually this have and what other implications can be you know derived yeah. from this experience. Yeah. yeah. Which and that's the thing you're not afraid to take those risks. To an extent, too, and I mean, and the best part, best part about having an omniverse, everything can be canon, and that's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's always been, that's always one thing I've like I liked about like your story stuff compared to others when you compare canon to non-canon, mm-hmm. which is good too for those who will eventually become super fans. <laughs> yes, I'm guaranteed it's going to happen, people. It's going to. But um, when it came, so of course you know that's what I liked about Alvarez yeah. overall when you took the stakes, different thing. But then I like the combination you did with my most recent character, William Soar, and he was a good experience of someone who starts off kind of regular and regular person going to school at a different academy, learning their magic, and then all of a sudden they get involved in someone else's prophecy, and now 
you all you try to do was one good deed, and now you're in some like interdimensional conflict, <laughs> and now you have to protect the secrets of whatever's going on in the world. And you're interacting with gods and different creatures. Everyone's trying to kill you. And you are just wondering, what what, what, what was I doing? What did I want to be? Yeah. So uh, that allowed me to like figure out, like, wow, what really are my character's motivations? What am I trying to do? What do I want? And, of course, at the same time, you'd have to think about yourself. Because you, we always kind of put ourselves into our characters to an extent. We kind of have to give it that personality. And I've finally been able to start separating the characters. And William Sword is a good example of how I can keep motivations that I can somewhat understand, but still not always agree with the decisions being made. Yeah. And like that's completely different from my experiences I had with like Nexon when I first started a few years back, or even yeah. using that paladin in D and D. I went from a dude, um, what is what's that term called? Um, not helicopter helicoptering. Like what is that term when you're like. Urgh, I'm trying to remember what it is, but the point is, I'm flinging a two-inch penis remember. around. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm go- I go oh, from yeah. flinging a helicopter, oh, to to give helicoptering a two-inch penis <laughs> to now knowing how to figure out characters' motivations in a cosmic flinging? setting. Are you flinging it around? Thank you. Tabletop game. Exactly. That is development. Okay. Yeah, that's person development. Yeah, personal yes. development through. Tabletop games. Tabletop RPGs. Um, Exactly. And I I am grateful for that. (laughs) That I have been able to actually respect the stories a lot more that are being told. And I think Matt is one of the best people to provide a new take, a new experience on that. And I just truly believe Matt's an innovator. And that is one of the big reasons why I chose to invest within him. Yeah. Thank you. You're Um, welcome. Yeah. He's invested some... A good amount of money, and and hopefully does not go to right waste. Oh no! Oh, I get that money back no matter what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am indebted. I am his asset now. Your, your organs for mm-hmm. sale. Exactly. Um, yes, I will. I will. Sell I'll make money organs. off you either way, man. It's yes. gonna happen. <laughs> Dead um, or alive. So. So. Right. My experience with your game. Yes. Um. So that first session, what I remember is that. Uh. We came, you invited me over to your house earlier than the session would normally have been, so that I had time, like probably two hours, which, depending on the type of character creator you are, is probably not enough time to make like a super flushed out character, but that's okay, because I didn't need to make a super flushed out character, because I rolled a d6 to find out my race in Matt's game, and I ended up on a reticon, which, for me at least, I decided right then and there was going to be have an intelligence of less than four. Um, yeah. So, yeah. and that's the kind of character that, no offense and not to intimidate anybody who's never played a role-playing game before, but like Jaren said, it takes a little bit of skill to separate yourself from the character and actually play them in a way that is true to how you want to play them. And obviously, the stats are just a number on, on the board, right? It's... The character's intelligence has no effect on your intelligence as a player, right? And you can... The player character, the player that is playing the dumbest character can find out the secret of the plot before anybody else. Yeah. But the real strength of the ability to roleplay comes with the fact of, like Jaren said, parsing that with how you want to play the character. Doom was not a very smart Riticon. 
Uh, so much so that on the second session, he blew himself up running into a wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't uh, even get to meet him. No, yeah, no, nope, you didn't. No, and, it, no. and then that's what that's what named their group. Yes, Doom and Squad. And that's how it became Doom Squadron. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. High and Mighty's still number one. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was okay because. Uh, also, like Jaren said, the second character that you play in a new game, uh, new game system is generally speaking the, one of the most enjoyable. And I ended up making Rydia, um, the Yen Doctor, uh, right after that. And I enjoy, as a DM, I enjoy DMing for players and also playing them myself. Characters that have one bad stat that shows in how you roleplay them. Doom had a very low intelligence, and I played him as thus. Uh, Rydia had a very low will, which I interpreted as having a self-esteem that did not reach above the ground level. Um, And as a form of character development, as I played further in your game, that sort of rock-bottom self-esteem sort of... It grew. It grew, sort of. It had a great progression, too. Yes, as the character develops, right? As the character changes, right? How does that display itself in some way? What what did your will start out as? My will started at four. So in in Reborn in Power, um, your attributes... just like in, in Dungeons and Dragons, you have you have your your main your main ability scores, but these are attributes, and these are they have a total of what of well technically they can go to, into negative, but um, their max total you can have in an in a single attribute is twelve, and um, so Rydia had a four. What's your attribute score right now? It is now, now ten. Right. At ten, so so there was a lot of progression yeah. that went that went through. And over the sessions that I played, as the as the stat as I the character leveled up, and therefore the stat category that I allocated those points in, accompanied by the experiences and the story elements that she encountered as I played through Matt's game, yeah. and how those affected her character, perhaps due to the fact that I'm slightly more experienced in role playing games, both as a, a game master and a player. I was able to weave a story that I appreciated in Radio. Yeah. And I think the other players at the table appreciate it as well. Yeah. What did you think of Radio, William? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't get to see much of Radio until... Like, okay, there was one point I did, like, during the whole Dwarven Citadel thing, because you yeah. actually came with us for that. Yes. But then, of course, when you separated back to Doom Squadron, I didn't get to see your character for a while until, like, near Endgame. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I initially saw your character... When I first saw the character, I said, okay, clearly a shy but intelligent, you know, woman in this case. Mm-hmm. And, man, sorry, looking at you in the face and just saying, <laughs> charming, intelligent so woman. a few times. It rubs me the wrong uh, way. There was some misgendering there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A few incorrect pronouns, which I role-played off. Exactly. <laughs> but either way. Yeah, but, um, no, no, it's like... It was a good um, good character overall, and I definitely saw the progression as your character started becoming a lot more, you know, more self-confident. Mm-hmm. But, like, it did, I saw, like, the struggles your character, like, your character had a crush on another one in the party. Yeah. And all that stuff. And seeing how, wow, that other <laughs> character you liked was just so incompetent, can't figure out what's going on, and you continuously were, like, getting your heart broken and you just didn't know, like, should I be more attached? Should I disengage? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And there's a point where you just said, I just had enough of this. And then that character died. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then that character died. <laughs> you were no part to the fact that I said, okay, I'm over this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was, was coincidental. It was coincidental. <laughs> but... And I must say, I also didn't get to experience much of William Soar prior to the fact when he, like, sort of got into the middle towards the end of the story. Yeah. But my first impression of him when we met briefly was that William didn't really care that much. He was very, not self-centered, but he had a focus that he didn't really want to or care to deviate from, whether that was his mission or his friends in his party or some ideal or anything like that. He didn't budge. That was him. Oh yeah, no. William Sore was definitely was definitely stubborn overall, mm-hmm. and yeah, there were definitely times where that like came off terribly in certain mm-hmm. situations. Yes. But it was a good it was a good trait, I mean, a good flaw for what, him to have. What about Will I Am? Will I Am? Oh, okay. oh <laughs> the alter <laughs> ego. This <laughs> was the this was one of my biggest tests <laughs> when it came to playing a character. Yeah, because my I... character gets cloned, and my original self technically has to be the evil version of William, which we call co- well. Well, did yeah. we call we called the original Will I Am? Yeah, we called the reason. original version of him Will I Am, even yeah. though even though. So basically, he William had a had a love interest. Her name is Ariel. She is actually a master forger inside the lore. Um, but but William has like a connection with with Ariel, and 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 he is like you know he's attached to her, and and seeing her. Almost get assassinated by Project Rain, oh. and then, and then all mm-hmm. that stuff that 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 causes a huge, you know, a huge spiral of, of events, causing them to go go to the Dwarven Citadel, and and deal with this huge threat. And then, on the way there, the big the big bad the big bad of the campaign ended up getting released. Yes, and it led. To, <laughs> but the whole overall point is, my character gets cloned at some point by a, by a champion of sorts. And I have to act as two completely different people to an extent. Like I still have to be this. I still have to be William Soar, but one ha- is a lot more self interested, and another one is a lot is, more is uh, just connected. Is is more bound to um, error in that case because you know love interest and all that. So there's a more um, humanitarian side to the one who's the clone, and then the real me is just the self interested asshole. <laughs> okay, well he's, he's not too much of an asshole, but um. <laughs> He definitely has his own um, conflicting interests. Yeah, and there there came a point where we just had to merge, and one of them had to survive, or and all that. And there was point, and here's where I struggled initially. But this is when I realized I was becoming a lot better at playing this game, where I would have to talk to myself as if I was different people. Yeah. and you know, attempt to do that for the first time really drives you insane <laughs> because you're like, how do I talk to myself? <laughs> It's like, and you have to like give different stuff. So like Matt, what you do is you narrate when I do it too. So we know which character was talking. So I knew like which one I have to pretend to be like, oh, then it's like, oh, you said this. And like, it, like, it's very basic. And then you could say, oh, in the heat of the moment, this thing happens and there's this. And then like, oh, now I know what emotion I should be getting into based on the circumstance that just occurred. Yeah. And then I can start acting that way. And that, that flow transition, you being patient with me during that session definitely contributed to me being able to actually play these wider ranges. Yeah. And, like, that is good for whenever I play any other game or any other future stuff. And that has allowed me, in uh, Ryan's campaign, 
that he does uh, for my drunken main character, mm-hmm. where I think his name in there. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have to Maine. drunken main Tabaxi line, baby. You're you're yeah. Tabaxi drunken monk. Exactly, <laughs> that is fun. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm finally able to like se- I'm a lot better at separating the character from like myself in that way, yeah. and I've seen that progression, and that is a great thing to be able to like be able to reflect on. Yeah. And see that transition. You really... I, I guess I will take this in a little more personal route, which is... And it's weird that I learned this in a Spanish class somehow. But why, when my freshman year of high school, I had this one um, Spanish teacher. And I don't even remember the context he said it in. But he pretty much said, The day you lose your imagination will be the saddest day of your entire life. Mm-hmm. And realizing that... I can tell and participate in stories again and be able to actually learn and grow from them without having to lose, like, I mean, we all lose our innocence to some extent, but we're able to, like, transition the emotions. We we're, we get better at telling our stories, better at acting through. It's a beautiful experience. And it's the same stuff that attracts us all into not just, like, storytelling and, like, you know, we're born in power, but this is a huge appeal that, like, Star Wars has Especially when they bring in those other characters. Like, you know, the older fans get the nostalgia trips. Um, The newer ones already have different areas that that they like. And The Mandalorian, for example, is a good introduction for people while also paying a good amount of fan service with references done right. It has something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to create an environment and a story to where others can tell what they want within it. So then everyone can enjoy that. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See? When I when I get personal, the heart really, you know, gets out there. <laughs> and it works out. It works out. Uh, so, Ryan. Learn to be vulnerable, people. That's what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. When you're de- when you're telling your stories and when you're acting through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ryan, you got anything to add to this? Uh I was always hmm. I was very Moved, and I'm pretty sure I spoke uh, on my previous episode with this. Uh, when you said, like, where is Riddy's homeworld? Yeah. I was, that was you handing me the torch for just a moment with the ability to sort of shape the story that you were telling. That is a key moment that I would like to highlight in this podcast. It is the moment where the master of the game, who has been up to, up until now controlling the majority of the sport, the story, uh, exempt the few instances where there are key critical moments where the players of the characters hopefully have steered the story in some direction or another. Yeah. And it is the point where a story becomes just someone's work, right? It's like the DM, the game master is doing all the work at the table to everybody's story at the table. It is the point, especially the player that is helping, it is the point where a tabletop game like Matt's game transcends a normal story like the kind you would see on a movie screen, right? Or a TV series or anything like that because it's the moment where you, as the player, as the player playing the character, have contributed to the direction of the story in a way that nobody else could. Yeah. Right? And that that's that's my... That's a huge part of my goal in, in all this is that I want... I want players of this game to contribute to the story that is that is that is the general foundation of why I made this game and whether you make that contribution by by a like 
adopting a new form of role play or making a key decision in part of the story or interacting with a character in a certain way and developing the relationship between those characters and having a meaningful dialogue between them, it's it doesn't matter because you're creating that story in a unique way. Nobody else is going... Nobody, I think, aside from maybe a very poorly run source book game, nobody has ever played the same store, tabletop story twice. Yeah, no. Because no. The, the characters are different, the players are People different. People are so chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> the roles are different. Yeah. It's never the same. Well, even when it's the same people, like, you know, when we had our session our session for, like, the William Soren Rydia stuff, mm-hmm. but, like, when we, sw- when we switch games over and, like, maybe Matt and I still play, or even when it's, um, should I say, the same people within the same session, it's not everyone gets a, how do I say it, um, the best person. This story, yeah, you're right, the story is never the same, but it's because that even when Matt's telling it, it uh it's i i know i'm just saying the point that it's not always the same but within these different circumstances that we can always put in infinite scenarios yeah. so even when it's the same storyteller it's never the same story even if it's the same person telling it but you can always switch up the person who's telling the story and that's the virtue of tabletop role playing yeah. games right yeah. it's different from any other type of media the only th- the closest thing i can think of is maybe a write your own adventure book Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can that book to ten different people, they are gonna come up with something different. But <laughs> it's it... it's not nearly so complex or grand in scale okay. as say a game in, in the Reborn and Power Universe. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. multiple people to write it, right? It's the product of so many different thoughts and feelings. Well, so, and and I mean and you know, if we're gonna compare this into like a greater sense, I feel like the entertainment industry has lost the plot when it comes to what goes into creating a good story. Like, we can see how, like, Matt and, of course, you, Ryan, clearly have the soul when it comes to making the stories, and we have the enthusiasm of acting these out. And there is just some loss of soul that exists within the entertainment industry now. And it's very sad where that has come. But we're trying to bring, you know, storytelling back. Make storytelling great again. So, uh, one thing on, on this on this topic, uh, I actually wanted to wanted to say about um, your campaign right now. Okay. Um, we we just started getting into uh, Eothos's backstory. Yes. Like my, my character's backstory uh, last session, and that that was great. I, I really enjoyed that because because you you found a way to what makes a good story is when you're when you're when you find a way to tie characters backstories to each other to make sure to make it to where they can interact with with one another and and try to find like maybe some kind of conflict may might arise or some kind of agreement might arise where they where they can come together like oh maybe two two villains have a a similar uh kind of um enemy that they that they have to fight in order and and they have to actually come together and work together to defeat that enemy or the enemy of my enemy is, is my, my friend, friend yeah. <laughs> yeah um but but with with Ryan's with Ryan's campaign right now uh my character is is a is a earth genesee and genasi Genesee, what, however you want to say it, uh, but it it was so interesting to see how how you took Evangeline's like backstory mm-hmm. and you caused it to like match with mine, and it was like oh crap. Mm-hmm. 
because like because yeah. literally right right before right before that i remember like saying like i remember there was a conversation that we, that we were having um a role play conversation that we were having that caused my character to uh like try try to talk to Evangeline because she was because she was like she lost her memory. Yes, yeah, she lost. And her and I like we were kind of connecting in some way, mm-hmm. and then right after that, we see this that 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 our backstories are connected. That she was she has suffered memory loss by the hands of the same person that that caused me to go mm-hmm. uh, to go get enslaved and, that, and stuff. That is what mm-hmm. we refer to in the business, at least me, is DM magic. Right? Yes, that's yeah. the ability of. The storyteller, the main storyteller, the one that's contributing and designing the story the most, in this case, the game master, is the ability to... The biggest question at the beginning of a campaign of a tabletop RPG is why the hell are all these people together? Yeah. Why the hell are all these most likely very different people from very different backgrounds together? The bad hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had so many issues. We couldn't come up with a name for like how many... Like almost two months, like eight <laughs> sessions, and we still couldn't come up with one. Yeah. And... It is up to the dungeon master to take these players, take these characters that the players are playing, and sort of mold it into a cogent story that not only is believable, but like flows smoothly. Yeah. And from an outsider looking in, it looks very difficult. Yeah. But I will say, as a, D- as a DM for this game, it is a lot easier than you one might think from having no experience in it at all. And... I will say, there are a few more tricks up my sleeve in terms of that story and expanding and <laughs> yeah. connecting the different characters together and making moments that they can bond and empathize over and understand yeah. each other from. Yeah. Opportunities in which the players can roleplay their characters together in a smooth and flowing, understandable way. It's, it's great to have a, a game group to be able to play like tabletop RPGs with. Yeah. It's, it's basically like, oh... What are you excited for throughout the week? Do you have anything to look forward to throughout the week? Well, I look forward to Tuesdays because that's when we play D anD. d Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, that might be that might be the reason why tabletop RPGs are so unique compared to other forms of storytelling because yeah. you need friends. Yeah, and that's not supposed to be. We need to be able to connect. Yeah, you need to be able. Not only do you need to be able to connect, you need to be able to understand. Yeah, how each other, how because. Matt, I've known you for about a year. Yeah. And over that time, I've gotten to know you pretty well, I think. Jaren, I've known you for a little bit less time, but still, I've gotten to know you pretty well. Mm-hmm. And based on how the players understand and know each other, the way that the characters interact, and the way the story unfolds, that's, I think, what provides such a unique flavor of enjoyment that accompanies tabletop RPGs. That's what accompanies Reborn in Power, or D&D, or Force and Destiny, or whatever tabletop system that you utilize in order to play these types of games that's the magic that comes from it yeah mm-hmm. so um i guess we we, we kind of just skirted away from from the main topic <laughs> but you did say but, in the intro that you we would have a rant or two oh, yeah, this, yeah, is, this no. is excuse this, yeah. this is excuse we 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 deserve ranting and mm-hmm. we deserve to to go off on on our little tangents let conversation be had um, but where do we think that this could head? Like the, where do you guys think that, uh, this project, Arthadian Anthologies could head in, in, in the future? Um, how do you see it growing? And do you think that 
it could it could make it in today's ever changing world and how 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 it's going. I know you I know you have some some money invested so you you're like, "Oh, I better make it." <laughs> oh, you better yeah, I better make it. Or I'm going to be tr- Oh, there's going to be a lot of issues we're going to have, man. <laughs> Where I mean, I guess since well, I have you know, the biased take because yeah. of what I'm expecting, I I would want to say a few kind of different things on this, which is my hope as like as a fan. Yeah. My hope is that you are willing to inspire others to want to tell stories yeah. that you give up that other people have an opportunity to engage with their friends in a different way that you know brings everyone closer together to an extent and you know well, we all like we all consume stories in different forms regardless if it's books comics movies tv shows etc and everyone does that to some extent and the thing is, like, we all have this in common. We all have our, like, different genres and stuff. You know, why not bring all this stuff together? And I think that is something that's, like, more wholesome. And I like that wholesome aspect. And because I don't like where the entertainment industry has been taking this, I, th- I want you to help make story... I want you to help pave the way to make storytelling pure. Yeah. And, you know, take us back to the roots of what it was meant to be. You know, to teach lessons and to inspire people. Not beat people over the head with the same annoying message without any innovation whatsoever. You know, they made you necessary. That's what I said at the end of yeah. the la- of my guest episode, yeah. episode five. But we'll just keep <laughs> popping that in there. Oh yeah, oh no. It might. Thank you, viewers, for making my episode his most watched one. But we gotta keep it up, you know. <laughs> of course, yeah. But you, you know, you could also listen to the other ones. You listen mm-hmm. to to entry fifteen because Ryan's there too. And though the quality of recording isn't as good, we'll we'll fix that ne- for next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, definitely, you're you're able to talk to to Ryan here mm-hmm. and go. not have the audio cutting out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now that's my, now of course what I said about like fan service yeah. and all that stuff. Like you know what I would want as a fan. What, I, what I'm really hoping to see is a replacement to what we have in, in, ter- in, like in Hollywood with Disney, with Marvel. I, I don't see them heading, for the most part, I don't see a lot of these major properties heading into a solid direction. They want a, a business plan that's very cookie cutter, that's guaranteed you know, huge amounts of money. And what they do is they just find and buy an established franchise and then they change one or two little things and then money comes in. But I think we're reaching the point where we're all just sick of that. We want something more. And I think you can create an extent, you know, a universe of all these different stories that can be as big as Star Wars or as big as Marvel or any of that other stuff. Because, you know, not only do you have the soul... And the innovation to do it. But you you know what it's about. And I think that's just something the entertainment industry doesn't know. They don't actually know how to entertain anymore. And I'm hoping for a, a more solidified structure of allowing people to be creative again. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping for. Ryan, what do you want? Uh, <laughs> allow me to apply a little bit of basic, very basic economic knowledge that I know to this extended metaphor of sorts. If big media wants to take all their storytelling apparatuses and make a thousand different stories a day and market it in mass to the public because the public doesn't know 
what they want, so they're going to take every single type of media that even resembles what they already have past enjoyed, even if they realize through the middle of it that they don't enjoy it. Then there will, and there's a place for that. It's not a very good place, but it's a place in society. There will also be a place for reborn in power in Arthurian anthologies, because it is, in a word that I think is descriptive, artisanal. It is unique and. Tabletop role-playing isn't going to be everybody's fun thing. It's not my dad's thing. Yeah. It's not my stepmom's thing. It's it's not part of their generation. But and they're not even close to nerds. But there will always be an audience for it because it's such a unique experience. Yeah. And when something as unique and special as this is available to the public, even if there's only a few people that enjoy it, if they enjoy it enough and if you put enough work into it, which I know you will and have, there will always be people to consume it. There will always be people who enjoy it, and therefore you will always have a future. Yeah. Wholesome, quality content. Mm-hmm. That is what we're aiming for. Mission statement. <laughs> Mission statement, something like that. Wholesome, that quality content. content. Family-friendly content. Okay. That'll be posted above your office that you own at some point. Yeah. The door frame. Yeah. Well, um, anything else you guys would like to say? Uh, as we end this, the final, first season, the final episode. Yeah, I feel like we should have like some sort of. Do we have fireworks in here? Ba, 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 I launched ba, them all on Fourth of July. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. uh, okay. For me, I want to say, um, so I, man, I don't know exactly when season two is supposed to be arriving, but it's going to be after my Kickstarter. So after the Kickstarter happens, yeah. okay. So what I would want or to say maybe during the Kickstarter, during the Kickstarter, you'll, you'll figure well, it out. I'll, I'll we'll figure, figure out. out the details yeah. and all that. But I would like to say that Matt, I'm looking forward to where Reborn in Power takes us. I'm hoping that not only will money be made, but good storytelling will emerge from it. Flourish, flourish. Yes, that is a better word. Flourish, thrive, mm-hmm. yes. and all that. But of course, remember. The entertainment industry made you necessary, and you will make them pay. <laughs> yes. God, it sounds like a... Is that a threat or a promise? I don't know. It, it, it's a good it's, promise. It's a, it's a promise that subverts expectations. It's prophetic. All right. Yes. Well, it's uh, a prophecy. Ryan, what would you like to say? Uh, whether it's Reborn in Power, I hope it's Reborn in Power, or D&D or whatever, Force and Destiny, Dark Sun, Cyberpunk, whatever it is. Keep playing role-playing games. Keep playing tabletop role-playing games. They're good for the soul and better than mass-marketed media. Yes. Yes. And have fun. Mm. Have fun with each other. There you go. Don't don't hate each other. Mm-hmm. Um, learn to let go of your of your inhibitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn to let go of your of your fears, your your anger towards others. Um, and just sit down. Talk. Talk it out. Have a fun time. Yeah, have a fun time. Worst case scenario, just let it out and then a campaign, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't pour your BS out there. Just allow, just let it out in the campaign, and worst case scenario. Don't be afraid to express yourselves, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I am Matthew Arthur. Uh, this is the last episode of this podcast. Thank you all for joining in. Um, and we'll hopefully, see you next season. Yeah, next yeah, season. First season ending of the podcast. Yeah. Not is, the, the entire thing's not done, people. It's not done. There will, there will be more. 
You, you, you will see me. You'll see more of. It will be reborn in yes. podcast. Yes, we're born in podcast. Uh, official release to be determined. Mm-hmm. But yes. Um, this is Matthew Arthur signing off. I thank you for listening to the final entry of the first season. It has been very entertaining for me and has helped my world building quite a bit. I very much am looking forward to the next season of this podcast, establishing pre-existing and newfound lore that will expand this ever-expanding universe even further. As the anthologies move forward with the release of Reborn in Power, I hope to include other creators into these phantasmal tales that will immerse you all in wonder. Remember, we all have stories to tell and we must never allow them to go untold. If you'd like to support me on this podcast, you could donate on Anchor slash Spotify or on Subscribestar at Reborn in Power. You can also create an account on OrthadianAnthologies.com to never miss a new podcast update and check out the codex entries that have expanded this universe further. This will also give you the chance to create your own lore for the universe, and I would very much like to see you join me next season on the anthology. But until then, I think you know what I'm about to say. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you between now and when I speak to you next, may you be reborn in power.